two. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Would you stand with me this morning? Welcome to worship today. It's good to see you. My name is Jason. Happy New Year. Uh, what a way to start the year. First Sunday of the year, gathering together with God's people and God's presence uh, to give him thanks for his faithfulness from the past and to put our hope in his faithfulness in the future. As we come to worship today, let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We come before you today and we turn our hearts and our attention, our affections, our adoration. We turn all of ourselves back to you, over to you once again. And we ask that you would meet us in this place. Then in the places that we feel hopeless, that you would feel, fill us with hope. In the places that we need healing, that you would heal us. In the places that we need guidance and direction, that you would speak to us in the places of great joy that you would continue uh, to fill us with your spirit and allow us to share that joy uh, with other people. Wherever we find ourselves today, would you meet us in the midst of our lives as we continue to surrender our lives to you, to submit to you, to follow you with everything. Lead us into the way that leads into everlasting life. We trust you today. We worship you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together. How y'all doing, New Life Downtown? Happy New Year. We get this chance to worship God all over again. So let's lean in today. Here we go. There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's word when he walks into the where people pray, where we hear praises Sing it out. Awake my soul and sing, sing his praise Praise aloud. Awake my soul and sing, sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud. Woo. Once in a while, now steps away. Every cross. 
Yeah. 
might be reminded of that today. I'm saved from God. Said I'm safe with you and I'm gonna make it through. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it through. Cause I'm standing strong on only Father. Said I'm gonna make it through. My house was built on you. We praise you, Father, right now. You are dependable, God. You are more than what we could ever ask for, God. So we are putting our trust in you. We are building our life only on you, God. So sing this song. Every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you
Can we say that one more time? I will, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. Oh. Only you, Father. That's why I trust this.
Amen. Good morning, church. It is good to see you here in the room. Good to uh, be with those of you watching online. Uh, friends, Nikki Gumbel, the developer of Alpha, uh, once before a group of pastors, as he was explaining what Alpha was, said, look, I'm not trying to convince you on Alpha. He said, what I'm trying to do is show you that the Holy Spirit is using and moving through Alpha. And if that's not compelling enough, I don't know what else is. And I found myself in front of you saying the same thing. I'm not trying to convince you of Alpha or to try and convince you that you should come or that you should help give to Alpha. I'm trying to tell you and show you that the Holy Spirit is moving through Alpha. And as long as he keeps doing it, I will keep coming up here a few times a year, sharing stories, telling you about what he is doing. And this morning we're going to do that. Um, but I want to I want to say a few things before I pass it off to Brandon here. Um, one, uh, I want to say thank you to those who generously, above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings, gave to Alpha last year. Uh, we raised um, together, because of your generosity, forty-two thousand dollars to run our three to run our three Alphas here. Uh, our three Alphas saw over one hundred fifty people come through. Um, we had 11 people who either committed or recommitted their lives to Jesus. And almost as worship worthy uh, was the amount of people who said, not just, I'm not just making this up, but who actually said, I'm more curious about Jesus. I want to keep pursuing this. I think there might be something here. Those are words from people who actually came through our Alpha course. Maybe they didn't give their life to Jesus, but they said those things. They're more curious. Their trajectory has turned a little bit more towards Jesus. And we were able to write an $8,000 check for our friends in Albania who are also running three to four Alphas a year and send it to them. So your generosity is, is going beyond the bounds of our country. Uh, I sent it, an email to our friend Robert Wheelis, who heads up the ministry in Albania, and told him about this, and he was very grateful. He wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and he said, we're just about to start this month our next Alpha course outside the small village of Tirana. I don't know. I'm probably butchering that. If your geography is as good as mine, you have no idea where that is. Um, but the point is, your generosity is going around the world and helping the, the ministry of Alpha for, uh, continue. Now... Uh, this feels a little bit like opening a gift from Grandma on Christmas and going, Oh, Grandma, thank you so much. This is so generous. Now let's talk about next year's gift. But the Spirit keeps moving, so we got to keep up. It's a new year. We're starting a new Alpha course in about a, a little over a week. And so we need to start talking about next year's gift as well. And so if you're willing to continue to continuously give, it's the same ask, $35,000 that goes to help run three Alpha courses for us. And then anything above and beyond will go to our friends in Albania uh, to help run um, the Alpha courses that they're running over there. All right, I'm going to pass it off to my friend, Brandon, who's going to share a story. Why don't you guys go ahead and have a seat? I don't want you to have to stand for a long time. So go ahead and have a seat. Brandon, um, he has shared his testimony uh, here before, but he's going to share it a, again with a little bit of an update. And uh, yeah, I'll let you take it over, Brandon. All right. Thank you, Jay. Hi, my name is Brandon Hall. And one year ago, I was invited to Alpha, the Alpha course that we have here through the church. And at the time, I described myself as a Christian just doing his own thing. And I had invited Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior, 
But about six years ago, I decided it wasn't for me. And uh, I had a conversation with God and said, I'm just going to do my own thing. And you know where to find me uh, when the timing's right. So when I met this person and God was their best friend and faith was really important to them, it really intrigued me. It felt like a sign and it felt like he was searching for me. And Alpha, when brought up to me, it felt like it was a perfect fit for me. And I learned that Alpha is a place where everyone's welcomed. You can share your story and you, you don't have to be embarrassed or feel ashamed. Uh, quite the opposite, actually. And so... The Tuesday before the Alpha Retreat, we had a conversation about prayer. And when asked what I thought about prayer, I said I thought it was stupid. That I thought it was silly. I didn't understand why some people prayed for the big promotion. And then when they didn't get it, they got all upset and mad. It just didn't make sense to me. And uh, I did come to the consensus that God had been guiding me throughout my life. But I hadn't prayed ever, so why would I start now? And uh, fast forward to the retreat... And a couple people prayed for me, and I had an overwhelming joy sweep over me, and I bawled my eyes out. And I haven't stopped praying since then. Um, I started reading the Bible. I got baptized in March. Some of you guys have probably seen me greeting you out here coming into church. And um, yeah, it was last time I shared my testimony, it was so new, and even prayer was really new. And I actually went to the uh, prayer course. Uh, with some Alpha friends this past summer. And today I would like to uh, pray over the next Alpha course. So, dear Lord, may you shine your light and warm the hearts of everyone in this room. Uh, We come here today seeking your love and guidance. And I just pray that if there's anyone with curiosity, with questions swelling their minds, that you encourage them to show up to Alpha for even one day to have a conversation and a meal with people of all different backgrounds just to see if they like it. And I also pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in here thinking that maybe it's just not for them or that's for the younger crowd, that you encourage them that you want to see them as well and have a conversation with us. And I pray that in your name. Amen. Thanks, Brandon. Love you, brother. So, friends, we start our next Alpha course a week from this Tuesday on the 16th. Uh, There's cards on the tables in the lobby. Please grab one on the way out, whether it's for you or whether it's for someone else. Uh, It has all the information, where to sign up, all that sort of stuff. We would love to host you starting Tuesday night, uh, the 16th. Um, All right. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Jay. I'm kind of going a little bit uh, reverse here, but I just want to say welcome. Thank you for uh, being here. If you are new or newer, we want to say welcome to you as well. Uh, Please let us know you're here. We'd love to reach out to you and at least say hello, uh, maybe even buy you coffee and get to know you a little bit and hear some of your story. So you can do that by scanning this QR code. There's a QR code out in the lobby, or there's some physical guest cards as well that you can fill out if you would like to do so. Also, for new or newer people, we are going to have New Life Next, next Sunday. It's after church. It's at the Commons, which is um, across from the Wild Goose. It's about a block north and a block west. Uh, And after service, come on over around 11 o'clock. We'll have lunch. uh, Hear from Pastor Jason about New Life Downtown. And uh, it'll be a great chance to ask any questions you might have or curiosities you might have about joining our church. Um, All right, like I said earlier, uh, we are uh, going to have a moment in our service of worship or giving, giving the tithes.
giving of our tithes and offerings, giving back uh, just a portion of what God has so graciously given to us. So if you would like to do that, there's four ways to do that, either online or through the app. Uh, If you're in the room, you can give in the boxes that are in the lobby in the back, or if you're watching online, you can mail in your offerings old school. If you would like to give um, to Alpha in in your giving online or through the app, there's a drop-down menu. Uh, If you're just giving your normal tithes and offerings, we ask you to select New Life Downtown so I can go to the right spot. If you'd like to give to Alpha, there's also a designated Alpha fund in that drop-down menu, and you can give to it that way. All right, we're going to turn our attention to the Word of the Lord now. So, Nicole, will you please guide us? Hello, my name is Nicole Jolin. The Old Testament reading is found in Genesis 2, 15 through 18. The Lord God took the human and settled him into the Garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all of the garden's trees, but don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because on that day you eat from it, you will die. The Lord God said, it is not good that the human is alone. I will make him a helper that is perfect for him. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Eric, and the New Testament reading is found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Donna. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading, if you're able. It's found in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. I'm not praying only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as we are one. I'm in them and you are in me so that they will be made perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you loved me. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, please remain staying with me as we pray today. Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us today. Speak to us. Your servants are listening. Your sons and your daughters are listening. We're ready and willing and open to hear from you. Speak to us. Guide us. Instruct us. Lead us in the way that leads to life. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, New Life Downtown, and Happy New Year to everybody. 
I hope you enjoyed and have fully recovered from your little Smokies and your Velveeta dip um, with or without chorizo or taco meats or just straight up cheese and uh, those little tomato things. What's the, what are those things called again? The uh, Yeah, that thing. Uh, I couldn't hear. <laughs> uh, if you're visiting, again, thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Downtown. Uh, we're so delighted uh, that you're here with us this morning. If this is your home church, welcome back. It's great to see you. I commission you once again to be our entire welcome team, to meet other people around you and to say hi after the service and to help people find a place of connection here. If you're watching online, I know there's a number of people that uh, are homesick, a number of people who've been in the hospital this week, uh, including our worship pastor, Micah. His uh, little one, Levi, was back in the hospital, uh, this time in Florida. They were in the hospital for eight days. Uh, hopefully, they're going to be able to come home this week. A few other families uh, in the church have had little ones in the hospital. So uh, if you're watching online today, we love you. We miss you. We're praying for you and hope that uh, you recover soon and are able to rejoin us in person. We are, uh, of course, one week into the calendar year already, uh, but several weeks into the Christian year. Many of you know that the church has a different calendar that we follow uh, because we march to the beat of a different drummer. So our calendar doesn't really follow, you know, the Hallmark sort of schedule or the school year schedule, but the life of Jesus schedule. Um, and so yesterday uh, was a big feast day in the life of the church it's called the Feast of Epiphany. Uh, Epiphany is not a celebration of sort of acute mental insight where all of a sudden it's like, oh, like, Eureka, I figured something out uh, in life. But Epiphany is a celebration of the revelation of God, that God has been revealed to us, that Jesus has appeared, and he didn't appear just to Israel, but he appeared to the nations. So this is the day that we celebrate the Magi coming. So if you listen to Pastor Evan's service on the 31st, you can now move your Magi into your nativity set uh, because they have now visited uh, at this point along the way. Uh, and then today's the day we celebrate the baptism of Jesus, knowing that our Lord went down into the Jordan and was baptized by John and when and he was baptized, the heavens opened up and he heard the voice of his father saying, you are my son and who I am well pleased, who I love. Uh, together those days, back and forth to one of the epiphany and baptism set before us uh, a way of life that is true for all Christians, that our life is about looking for the revelation of God and listening to the voice of God. We're looking to see how is God continuing to appear to us? How is he continuing to come? And we're continuing to listen to his voice. How is he leading us? And so in that light, this is Vision Sunday across all eight of our congregations at New Life where we're talking about what has the Lord revealed to us? What has he set before us? And whenever we have these conversations, I think it's really important to always begin by saying for all churches and for all Christians, the vision is Jesus. Like Jesus is the vision and the vision of any church is simply an articulation of Jesus's vision for the church across all space and time. 
Jesus' vision for the church, his call to the church, is to be a kingdom outpost in our unique situation. To be people that he describes as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The salt of the earth describes people who are learning to live according to the teachings of Jesus. And the light of the world, a city set on a hill, people whose lives reflect the glory of God for the good of the world around them. We are called as all people people who follow Jesus to be disciples and to make disciples in our unique situation and listening for the voice of God saying, okay, in this particular time, in this particular place, in the season that we find ourselves in, Jesus, what are you leading us into? And over the last couple of months as I've been thinking and praying about that, about what is the unique time and the unique place that we find ourselves in. There's so many things that we could talk about that we're facing in our world or in our country or in our individual lives and things like, well, we could emphasize here, here, and here, and all of those things are, are good and true and things that we need to be uh, concerned about and praying for. But the thing that kept coming up to me over and over again is that I, there's a collective ache in our world, a collective ache for community, a longing for connection. That when I sit in pastoral conversations or get a chance to meet new people, oftentimes what I hear is a desire to know and a desire to be known, a yearning to belong and also to contribute to something. Of course, this is a universal human experience. There is part of our human existence that includes moments or seasons or even longer periods of time where we experience loneliness in some way. Sometimes it's just situational. Sometimes it's you know the feeling of adolescence and walking through who am I and how do I fit within this world. Sometimes it's a result of moving to a new place. We all experience this in some way but it does seem to be spreading. It does seem to be growing. That loneliness is becoming a more common and longer experience for people in our world maybe than ever before. And let's largely related to the culture that we find ourselves in. Our culture is increasingly individualistic where our first thought is about ourselves rather than about others. Our culture is increasingly transient, that there are very few people here in the room that probably say they're native Coloradans. And the rest of us are, you know, sort of semi-native. We ended up here at some point along the way. But our world is increasingly transient, that we move from place to place to place. And we find ourselves geographically dispersed. Even though we now are collected into cities, those cities are expanding. And so the geography of our communities are getting bigger and bigger rather than localized into neighborhoods. We find ourselves living in a world that prizes instant gratification over the long-term benefits that we find in staying the course. And so when something doesn't sort of instantly sort of hit us the way that we want it to, we go looking for the next thing because we're used to having everything right at our fingertips and our lives are increasingly overloaded with work and busyness and the other things that make it difficult for us to connect and this isn't new but it has been growing in the year 2000 Robert Putnam who's a pol uh, political scientist and a professor at Harvard University he wrote a book called Bowling Alone 
where he chronicled the collapse of social capital in the United States from the 1950s to the 1990s. That he looked at the 50s and 60s and sort of what was happening culturally of around bowling leagues and uh, softball leagues and this club and that club and the connectivity that was happening in our culture to its general and gradual and even maybe sudden at times collapse of community, of network, of a sense of belonging. Of course, since that time, we've had the proliferation of the internet and smartphones and social media and online dating apps and even gaming platforms where it's now possible to bowl alone from the comfort of your own couch. All of those things, every single one of them came with this great promise of greater connectivity that now we're going to be able to connect to the world in the palm of our hands. And yet we all know that they've had a largely inverse effect, that they have not delivered what they promised and instead had the opposite effect. The 2020 documentary uh, that many of you watched, uh, The Social Dilemma, argues that we can directly attribute the rise of addiction and misinformation and anxiety and depression and loneliness to the internet and to smartphones and to social media. That these things which are going to connect us to the whole world have only led to greater sense of isolation and loneliness. And of course, then we had the global pandemic, which introduced phrases like social distancing and stay at home orders into our public discourse. And after months of lockdown, which included a ton of political and social uh, unrest, we found that our already fragile networks were stressed and sometimes even severed. I've been meeting with, uh, occasionally with a group of mental health professionals from New Life downtown and just asking them, what are you hearing? What are you sensing? What are you observing from your unique purview of the world? And they are saying that they're hearing people over and over again talk about loneliness and an inability to know what to do and how to move forward uh, because so much of what we've endured over the last decade or so has eroded our already deteriorated relational skills. That especially during the lockdown seasons, we fell out of practice of how to meet people, how to say hi, how to introduce ourselves, how to carry on conversations. We simply forgot how to interact. And so the whole world now feels like a middle school dance. <laughs> Doesn't it? It just feels kind of awkward. It's like, ah. You could not pay me to go back to those moments. <laughs> but according to the Surgeon General and the World Health Organization, loneliness has reached an epidemic proportion. They've declared loneliness to be a public health crisis. The UK and Japan have appointed people to their governments who are the ministers of loneliness to think about loneliness and the way that it is experienced. A lot of this is coming on the heels of some groundbreaking medical research that has demonstrated that the lack of social connection that we experience in life is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day, that it can have that kind of impact on us. So in other words, despite all of our technological adva advancements, if 
we feel more alone than ever and it's killing us. It's devastating us. Some of you are in the room and be like, that's how I feel in this exact moment. Even coming to church on Sunday morning is such an extreme act of courage and bravery to say, I'm going to come and try again. Some of you may feel like, ah, this is not what I'm experiencing right now that you feel maybe an incredible amount of connectivity. Thank God for that. But that doesn't mean everyone around you feels the same way. And in fact, it's likely that a lot of us in the room are dealing with loneliness on some level. Not all the time and not in every place, but in some point in our lives, we feel a sense of isolation. And as the people of God, this should not surprise us. This sense of loneliness and its impact on our lives shouldn't surprise us because on the opening pages of Scripture, we read things like this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good. For the human to be alone. Here in the Garden of Eden, before rebellion, before sin, before the brokenness that we all experience in this world, Adam, the human, existed in an unbroken, intimate relationship with God and creation. And God looks at that situation and says, yeah, that's not good. It wasn't enough. Because God actually created us for more than that. The initial context, of course, is setting up the first marriage. But as we look through the whole story of Scripture, we see that it moves beyond this and traces through the whole story of God's people. Even God's concern in the Old Testament about the poor and the orphan and the widow and the stranger is largely because they have now been marginalized away from community because of what's going on in their lives. And they find themselves in danger because of the lack of connectivity that they have to other people. In other words, when we look at the scriptures, we see over and over again that we were created for community. It is in our DNA. It's how we are wired. We are designed to participate in the triune eternal life of God and to participate in the common life of God's people. This is what we were made for. We were made, yes, for intimate, vibrant, wonderful, flourishing, full relationship with God, but also with other people, also with his people, also with community. We even see this in Jesus' invitation, Jesus' gospel message and the way that he lived his life. He calls us to follow him and in doing so, to return to the life that he intended for us. Jesus comes to reconcile us to God, yes, and to reconcile us to one another and to show us what it means to live life in a new way. Jesus comes to restore us to community. We remain for community, and he comes to restore us to community, community with God and community with one another. We even hear it in his heartbeat, in this prayer that he prays in John 17. As he's facing the cross, he begins to pray for his disciples, those who are around him, you know, and nodding off and falling asleep, and he's praying for them. And then he says, and I'm not just praying for them. He says, but I'm praying also for those who believe in me. In other words, Jesus stops in that moment in time as he's facing the cross and he prays for you and me. And this is what he prays for us in that moment. He says, I pray that they'll be one. Father, just as you are in me 
and I am in you, I pray that they will also be in us so that the world will know that you sent me. He prays for our unity, prays for community, prays for connection. He prays for the establishment of his people in a unified community. And he describes that as a witness to the world. That out of the life, the common life of God's people, that others would be able to know that Jesus is the son of God who was sent. In other words, Jesus' desire, his passion, his plan is to make us one, to incorporate us into the new family of God. And since the very beginning of the church, Jesus' disciples have devoted themselves to this vision, to his vision. The book of Acts says that the the, uh, early followers of Jesus, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, what Jesus taught the apostles and the apostles also taught others, and to fellowship. To koinonia is the Greek word. In other words, they devoted themselves to a life in common, a shared life among other believers. And they knew that a shared life doesn't just like magically appear and statically remain. Sort of like, you know, we just like walk into rooms like, oh, it's community. And it's easy. And it's all here. And we don't have to do anything to maintain it. It's just always present like oxygen. But instead, they knew that this takes work to grow, takes work to sustain, takes work for it to flourish. Paul put it this way. He says, therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, he's in prison at the time writing. He says, I encourage you, writing to a local church, to live as people worthy of the call that you receive from God. Conduct yourselves in all humility, gentleness, and patience. Three words that are really hard for us. And accept welcome each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the spirit and the peace that ties you together because you are one body. You are one spirit. He says to make every effort. The Greek word there can also be translated take pains. Take pains to maintain what it is that God has done to live in to that new reality that we are now one family in Jesus, that we've been united across all of our social divisions into a new family. And Paul says you have to prioritize it and invest in it and even sacrifice for it. In other words, community must be cultivated. It has to be. One of the worst sort of words that I hate around church um, is the word organic. <laughs> it's just, I just want like community to be organic. And usually what we mean by that is like, I just want it to happen. But you know what happens if you have a garden and you want it to be organic and you just let it happen? You grow weeds. That is all you grow. Organic gardening takes a ton of work. It's like way easier to spray bug spray on it and fertilizer and walk away. But if we want something organic, it's slow. It takes time. It's painful. It's like laborious. It's mundane. It's like, oh, there's a weed. We better take care of that. It it takes quite a bit of effort, but that's the vision that's before us in community. Community is worth all of that effort, but it must be cultivated. It must be cultivated carefully. The soil of our community must be tended so that the roots can be deepened, so that the life of the body can endure winter and flourish in spring. 
Community must be tended and cultivated so that it can mature from the small seed hidden in the grounds to a tree that bears fruit for the hungry and provides shelter for those who are suffering. In order to be able to grow into something that becomes a gift for the world, Wendell Berry put it this way. He says, a viable community is made up of neighbors who cherish and protect what they have in common. They love it. They love it enough to protect it and to invest in it and to say, we want to give ourselves over to this because we know it's for our own good and for the good of our neighbors and for the good of the world. So when I think about this next year, this I think is the invitation before us, New Life Downtown, to cultivate our common life in Christ to continue to do what we've always done and to do it even maybe in greater ways this next year, to lean into our life together, to make every effort to maintain and deepen the unity of the spirit and the bonds of peace, to strive to live out our calling to be the new family of Jesus so that our community can be a gift to one another and a gift to everyone that the Lord brings here and a gift to our city and a gift to our worlds. But that common life of cultivation, cultivating a common life is only ever developed through shared practices. If you have a common life in your house with your roommates or with your family or in your co-working space or in the place that you work, common life is always developed through shared practices. And we talk about three shared practices at New Life all the time, the practices of worship and connect and serve. Our mission statement is that we exist to make disciples, to do Jesus's vision for the church in the unique space that we find ourselves in the Pikes Peak region by inviting or calling people to worship, to connect, and serve. In other words, by inviting people to a common life to a shared set of practices. And so this year, I just want to encourage us once again on Vision Sunday to these corporate practices. First and foremost, I want to encourage you to prioritize worship, to prioritize, to do exactly what you're doing here on a Sunday morning, gathering together, because throughout history, the church has gathered weekly for worship This rhythm of weekly worship, of coming to the table together, has been the established foundation of Christian community everywhere at all times to meet regularly together. But in recent years, we've seen participation in weekly worship just tank. It used to be several generations ago that the average number of times that committed followers of Jesus came to the gathering of people was two times a week. Now the average is less than twice a month. And we wonder why we feel disconnected from one another. There's not the regular rhythm of meeting together. Somehow our participation in corporate worship has moved from absolutely essential to optional and occasional. And yet the book of Hebrews says, don't stop assembling together. Don't forsake the gathering. Don't forsake the meeting because presence actually matters. It matters in our own lives and it matters in the lives of other people because this is the opportunity that we have for regular connection with one another, to see one another, to look in one another's lives and ask, how is your week? How are you doing? Is there anything going on in your life that we can pray for? It's an opportunity for us to meet one another, to welcome and to meet new people, to live out our life together in these moments and continue to come into God's presence, to be formed 
as his people, to be filled with his spirit, to be sent back out into the world. So continue to prioritize Sundays in your life. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is commit to connection. Commit to a group or a course throughout church history. The church has not only met in large gatherings, but also in smaller gatherings. In the book of Acts, it says they met daily in the temple and in homes, or in synagogues and in homes. They found ways to connect at smaller levels where other kinds of conversations can happen. And we have so many opportunities around New Life Downtown to do that, whether it's Alpha that you just heard about, or Celebrate Recovery, or Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, or Evan's Parent parenting learning community, or Pete and Karen leading first year, Catherine leading downtown mom's discipleship, our Thursday night courses, which we launched last year, uh, that Adam Pelser and Ian Spear helped us get launched. They're going to do another C.S. Lewis course uh, this spring on the abolition of man. And of course, our meal groups, which have been the continual sort of bedrock of our weekly uh, meeting together outside of Sundays here. And so during this season, I want to invite all of our existing groups and any new groups to have a common conversation. A lot of times our meal groups are doing different things and we love that because it gives a lot of, you know, sort of opportunity for unique interests and conversations. But I want to invite us this year to a common conversation. John Mark Comer, who's the founding pastor of Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon, recently launched an initiative called Practicing the Way, which they've been developing resources to help people follow the way of Jesus. And it includes these fantastic group video resources um, to explore the basic practices of the Christian faith. And so I want to invite all of our groups to explore fasting during Lent. Uh, Spend four weeks talking about and praying through and practicing fasting. And then during Eastertide to spend four weeks talking about Sabbath. So I'm asking all of our meal groups to meet together nine times between February and May. One time to have a meal together and get to know one another. And then to spend four weeks going through the conversation on fasting and four weeks on Sabbath. If you're interested in leading, if you're in co-leading. If you're saying, I don't want to lead, but I have a home, and if people want to gather in my home and someone else lead there, that is oftentimes a really essential thing for us. A lot of our singles live in communal spaces, so it's hard for them to be able to host a group. But if you're like, I want to offer my home, there are oftentimes singles who want to lead that don't have the opportunity to do that because of their living situations. And so if you're interested in any of that, please talk to Pastor Jay after the service. I'm going to say more about some other opportunities to connect coming up, Uh, but I'll say that at our congregation meeting because I'm running out of time uh, this morning. But our congregation meeting is going to be on January 24th at Midtown at 6.30 p.m. So please come join us. This is an opportunity for us to have longer form conversations about what God is doing in and through New Life Downtown. But my hope with calling all of our new groups to do the same thing or inviting that is to increase our connectivity to increase our collective identity and to have a common conversation. So prioritize worship, find ways to connect, and lastly, I wanna encourage you to give generously and serve faithfully. The common life of the church has always been sustained by followers of Jesus who willfully and joyfully share their time and their talents and their gifts and their resources. This is how the common life of the church is sustained, is by the willingness to share. 
And so I wanna encourage you to join in. If New Life Downtown is your home church, if you have been strengthened by this community, and if you are able, then I wanna encourage you to add your full strength to this place. Add your full strength as you have it. Uh, join a team and serve one Sunday a month somewhere in our collective um, life together. Serve communion, serve by making coffee, serve on the welcome team. We always need help in discipling our kids and our students and in setting up and tearing down. If you want to get involved in serving, it's a great place to connect, but also to add your strength to what God is doing here. Please find Pastor Blake after the service. He's the guy up here on the base today. And I want to encourage you to give regularly, to give regularly and to give generously to the life of the local church. It's through your generosity that we find ways to care for each other. Everything that we do, from gathering on Sundays to all of our ministry gatherings, to all of our outreach in our city and our world, is made possible because of the regular tithes and offerings of giving sacrificially and generously to this place. And so if you are a part of this congregation, I want to encourage you to give, to give regularly as a normal part of your uh, act of worship, but also as investing in our common life together. And when we do these things, when we worship, when we connect, when we serve, when we give, what we find that we're doing is we're actively participating in Jesus's vision to make us one. We're actively participating in his vision for the church. We're joining in him what he is already doing. We're participating in his plan and in his prayer. His prayer is to make us all one, that we may be a witness to the world. Ephesians puts it this way, Jesus came to reconcile all things to himself. In other words, to make all things one. We're gonna pray this prayer during communion in just a moment where it says, Jesus, make us one with you and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world. When we worship and we connect and serve, what we do is we're joining what the ancients called the communion of saints. It's somehow a common life begins to develop in this place with one another over time and the mysterious union that Jesus is forging among his people becomes more of a reality to us as we continue to invest in it over a long period of time and we see that small seed grow into a fruit-bearing tree. We find that our needs are met, that we're fed, and there's also abundance to be able to feed others, to provide shade for the suffering of our city and our world. And we realize that unity, that mysterious union of the saints every time we come to the table. So I invite uh, our communion team to come forward and lead us to the table today. Would you take a moment, just pause your heart and pray. And ask Jesus, Jesus, where is the invitation for me in this moment? How is it that you have strengthened me that I might strengthen others? What have you invested in me that I can invest in the common life of your people? That others may see our life together and know that you are God. Yes, and amen. So we come back to this unifying place of our faith, our scattered lives brought together in Christ. This is Jesus' table, and all who believe 
then Jesus is the true king of the world, are welcome to receive, regardless of your church background or your affiliation. If that doesn't describe you, thank you for coming. We are truly honored that you're here to share this morning with us. We encourage you, keep coming back. Keep asking questions about who Jesus is and what he's doing. If you are ready, though, to begin following Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, we invite you to join with us now as we confess our sin and ask for forgiveness and trust Jesus again for salvation. The words of the confessional will come up on the screen. Let's say it together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Beloved, it is my joy this morning to announce good news to you. Words that are true, not because I say them, but because of what God has done. So would you open up your hands and receive again this mercy of God. That Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also, as those who have been raised to new life in Jesus, would you stand together now and greet those around you and offer the peace of Christ to one another? As we share that peace, we declare this truth that Jesus is here. So lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right all over this room now. Let's just lift up the praise to you, God. Thank you. Thank you. God, we declare it is a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, our Father Almighty. You were the one who formed us in your image. You're the one who breathed your life into us. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son to be faithful on our behalf. Remember that in these words, that on the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of God's mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim together this mystery of faith, that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and that Christ will come again. 
Would you stretch your hands either heavenward or over these elements now? We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to meet us and encounter us and us encounter him in this space. So Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Jesus that we may be for the world the body of Jesus redeemed by his blood. Holy Spirit, make us one with Jesus, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Jesus returns in final victory. Amen. Amen. I want to invite the servers up now. These are the gifts of God, given for us, the people of God. Receive them in remembrance. Thanks, David. Thanks, Carmen. Receive them in remembrance that Jesus has died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. This is your first time joining us in communion. You can watch those around you, how, to, how the flow works in coming forward or stay in the, the code and then it has like the full instructions on it. If you're unable to come forward, please ask somebody around you to get the elements and bring them back to you. If you're in the balcony, you can join uh, my left, your right here in this line and come down and join that section. This is our worship response here. The table is open. Let us come again to this unifying person and presence and worship of Jesus. Amen.
For 
we sing this all together. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Blood of Everest, we are sent today. Before you go, if there's anything you need prayer for, those who serve you communion are your prayer team now. They'll be up here as long as you need. Don't bear a burden alone. Like if we're talking about community, share it and let us pray for you, with you. Uh, also, just a quick reminder is Alpha starts next week. There's the invite cards on the way out. If you have space or desire to lead and host a meal group, we have the structure for you. You can talk to Pastor Jay on the way out. And then New Life Next is next week, hosted by Pastor Jason and Jay and the team for anybody who's newer and newer and just having a meal together and talking about New Life Downtown. Would you open up your hands and receive a blessing? This is the posture of receiving a gift. Receive a blessing as you are sent. This week as you go into all the spaces and all the places, all the relationships, may the life of Christ be yours. May you be firmly rooted and established in him and in all ways grow up into maturity. And then may you take that life and share it with one another and everyone and anyone that you encounter. May you be filled with the desire and the discipline to cultivate the life of Christ in common and shared community. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn to you and grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Church, you are the salt of this world, the light of this world. So go in all of the places you go and stay salty, shine brightly. We'll see you around town and next week back here. 